Welcome to the OA Virtual Kitchen Sink Meeting Podcast. Visit the Los Angeles Intergroup at oalaig.org for information on how to join our meeting live and how to donate to support this meeting and our podcasts. The opinions expressed on the Kitchen Sink Podcast are those of the individual speakers and do not represent OA as a whole. And now, our speaker. Now is the time for me to share. Hi, I'm Ellie, compulsive overreader. So glad to see all of you. Thank you for joining me. And Carol, thank you so much for asking me to be of service. Um, so generally the format is what it was like, what happened, and what I am like now. And I'll do some of that. But also what I would like to do is talk a little bit about how it works, since that was always so important to me. So uh, what it was like, uh, I spent many, many years uh, hating myself, hating my body, thinking if I were thinner, everything would be okay, and life would open up, and it would be wonderful. Um, I didn't become delusional, you know, that illusion stayed with me for a very long time. And uh, it wasn't until 2006, I was 59 and a half, I came to OA. I was absolutely out of ideas. I was always very capable of being on a diet and doing the diet, and it didn't matter what it was. I did the diet, I stopped dieting at goal weight, and I put it right back on. I didn't know any other way to do it. I didn't know that there was anything, quote, wrong with me. I just knew that this success and failure, success and failure really wasn't good for any thoughts about who I was and my capabilities. I had uh, grown up in a home, a very loving home. My parents always told me how smart, how pretty, how whatever. And I, of course, did not believe them. I thought they had to say that because I was their daughter. So, you know, crazy starts early. What can I tell you? Um, but I had watched my mother go from size 10 to size 18. And I can't diagnose her, but I think she was one of us. I have a, a small inkling of that. And when I was younger, uh, for as any teenage girl may or may not have had problems with their mother, I certainly did. I did not want to grow up like her. Of course, you know, the truth of that is I grew up exactly like her, but at a smaller level. I didn't go from size 10 to size 18. I went from size 2 to size 12. I went from 100 pounds to 150 pounds. And that was 
the pendulum back and forth. Um, when I came into program, as I mentioned, I was 59 and a half. And it is important because at the time I was reading something and this particular author described her life in thirds. So first third up to 30, 60, 90 and beyond. And I saw that for me, I was almost two thirds, two thirds of my life was over. And I really, really, really did not want to spend the next third hating myself and fighting with the food and going on every single diet there was and failing again. My husband of 27 years had asked for a divorce. I was living with my girlfriend on Roxbury Drive within walking distance of the physical building of uh, Serenity Sunday. And one day I went for a walk and I was sitting in the back of Roxbury Park and um, I noticed two women sitting on a bench. They got up and since I was in the sun and they had been in the shade, I moved over. And on that bench was a 12-stepper telling me all the meetings that there were in the whole Los Angeles area. Now, later on, I learned to call that a God shot because that's what it was and that's how I felt. I saw that right behind me every Sunday, there was a meeting of Overeaters Anonymous. That was November 19th, 2006. On November 26, 2006, I went to my first meeting. And at that meeting, I heard what I needed to hear. And part of it is in uh, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Those who do not recover are people who cannot or will not completely give themselves to this simple program, usually men and women who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. There are such unfortunates. They're not at fault. They seem to have gone that way. They're naturally incapable of grasping and developing a manner of living which demands rigorous honesty. Now, that tells me, since rarely have we seen a person fail, means to me that most people don't fail. And all I had to do was follow these simple steps. Now, that was good for me to hear because I like simple. I did not want complicated. And I did know that I could be honest with myself. There were things that were going on with me. And so it offered me hope. That's what I got at my first meeting. I walked in there 
and I saw people who appeared to be relaxed, calm, serene, laughing, and they had lost, given away their weight, and they were wearing the same clothes that they had for years. How did they do it? I had to learn. I needed a sponsor. I didn't get one right away. Um, but eventually I did. And I did hear talk about the steps. Like in step one, I'm powerless over food. That my life has become unmanageable. Well, I certainly knew that. Um, I think right before I came in, I had devoured a sleeve of uh, Ritz crackers, eating one right after the other, right after the other, and not being able to stop. And I had known every diet there was. I, I used the point system. I was a lecturer for that point system. I knew about Metrical. I knew about um, calories don't count. Honest to God, that was the name of a diet. How stupid could that be? Calories don't count. Forget that one. And uh, so anyway, I knew that I was at step one. I heard in the meetings people talk about God and that wasn't particularly comfortable for me because I had felt that uh, God had deserted me when I was eight years old and I had prayed that he would save my grandmother so that I could have an unconditional loving person in my life. And uh, she had multiple myeloma and was doomed for a horrible death and a horrible life, unfortunately. And so my prayers were not answered. So I came, kind of went like that as far as God was concerned. Later on through my life, I had joined different groups, and one of the groups, I believe they call it a cult, uh, told me about God within. So I learned to meditate, not necessarily pray, but I certainly learned to meditate to that entity within me or with that entity, entity within me. But when I came to OA, I heard people say, you know, a number of things about God that just know you're not it, that you don't control everything, that there is something greater than you are. Uh, there is a power greater than you are, and that is your higher power. And when reading the big book, and 
Effie comes to sit with Bill, and uh, Bill is just amazed since Evie had been his drinking partner, and here he is sober. Wow, what is it? And Evie told him that, you know, that God saved him, basically. Please understand, the opinions expressed here are my own. So, um... Evie says to him, because Bill had a problem with with G-O-D, he said, well, why don't you choose your own conception? And as that helped bring the light to Bill, that concept of choosing my own conception helped me. What is my conception? It has grown over the years, but my conception, I do not believe in a czar of the heavens. I don't believe in a long white-haired man so or a deity. So in that extent, I'm an atheist, but I do believe in a loving entity. Personal to me, that wants the best for me, that has my back, that I can look to in times of strife or in times of problems, as well as good times. This entity wants me to grow as a human being in love and in service, and so will teach me lessons And I don't have to like these lessons, but I do have to learn them. And so with that, as my higher power, I, over time, began to feel and take in the love of a higher power. Because like I said, I did not have the self-love. And there is something, uh, there's a paragraph that is written after uh, in On Acceptance on page 417. Um, It is not the one that everyone knows about and acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. It's the one after it. That talks about uh, Shakespeare said all the world's the stage and all the people in it are the merely the players. Um, and I'm going to read now. He forgot to mention that I was the chief critic. I was always able to see the flaw in every person, every situation, and parentheses, including myself. And... I was always glad to point it out to you because I knew you wanted perfection, just as I did. AA and acceptance have taught me that there's a little bit of good in the worst of us and a bit of bad in the best of us, that we are all children of God and we each have a right to be here. When I complain about me or about you, I am complaining about God's handiwork. I am saying that I know better than God. And 
that struck me. And it struck me in a way that I heard, who are you to criticize God? And that was the beginning for me of what I felt was my road to self-acceptance. Because if God loves me exactly as I am, unconditionally, who am I to say I'm not worthy of it? So what does that have to do with my little food problem? Well, instead of turning to food, I was able to turn to a higher power. I was able to find that higher power to take directions, to go on to do steps four through nine, and then live in 10, 11, and 12, which is what I do today. Um, every morning, that I take that back. Thank God, every morning I wake up. So that's a lot. I can't say that I always pray and meditate. I'd love to be. Excuse me, you have five minutes left, my friend. Oh, you're kidding! I yacked all that much. Okay, five minutes. All right. You need to know that I have given up 45 pounds. I am now a size four pants. I am in the middle. I weigh 107 pounds. I'm not the high. I'm not the low. I'm where I'm supposed to be, where God wants me to be. So I pray and meditate most mornings. I then am in am of service by taking sponsee calls. I have a number of sponsees. I do it for both of us. I do it for me, but it keeps, as it keeps me on track. And I want to impart on sponsees the self-love and acceptance that I have found as a result of working the steps and being in this program. I have a sponsor, I go to meetings, I co-facilitate a big book workshop where there are many of my sponsees. And again, I have had different service positions all along, whether it was at the birthday party or uh, a delegate. I was chair of the intergroup many years ago. And I live my life the best that I can. Fortunately, I, and I do say fortunately, although my higher power has not removed all my character defects, I certainly have been able to have them lessened. I can recognize when I'm being judgmental or when I have self-righteous indignation. Um, and the fact that I can recognize it helps me to do steps six and seven, which is to humbly ask my higher power to remove me of that, to remove those character defects. And what I learned about character defects is that it's one thing to ask to be have them removed, and then it's another thing that I need to act as if they have been removed. 
So it's not just do it for me. It's please help me and I'm going to do this. So if I'm not honest, I will act as though I am. If I am judgmental, I will act as though I'm accepting of others. So that's how that works for me. I still grab a fourth step resentment inventory as needed because there are times I am blinded by my own ego. I can't see where I'm at fault. I have to, I know why I'm angry at somebody and I know what they did and I know what it how it affected me. But then I have to step back and say, what did I do? And where was I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and fearful? And when I complete that, I'm able to get a different view of things. It's not that anybody is at fault. I'm not at fault any more than the person with whom I'm angry is at fault. It's just that we have a part So what I am like today, I would say I'm pretty damn content, happy, serene, loving, self-loving. And uh, I feel I have been blessed by being in this program. It started from that little... uh, seat on the bench to coming into OA and what I heard that day was three meals a day two snacks, three meals a day nothing in between Excuse me, that's your time Okay, I'll wrap up I chose three meals a day and two optional snacks that night after going to sleep directly after dinner I woke up the following morning and I had been abstinent. I have been abstinent from flour and sugar combined for 16 years. And that too is a gift from my higher power. So thank you for letting me share. This is the time for questions only. There's no sharing at this meeting. If you need share need to share, please find one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember, I'll say it again, <laughs> the opinions of the leader are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. If you asked a question last week, please wait until the first three questions have been asked before raising your hand. If you have a question, please click the raise your hand icon and I will call on you. Betsy. Hi, Ellie. Thank you so much for your share. Um, I appreciate all the references to the big book and your knowledge. Um, I have done the steps through the big book several times. How do you feel about doing the steps with the OA 12 and 12 with those questions? Um, 
I, okay. My first time through the steps with my sponsor was done through the OA 12 and 12 and the workbook. When I work with sponsees, I like to do that first because it is the issue of food originally that brings us in. Um, And so I get a better sense of who the person is as they talk about their relationship and how they use food to solve life problems. So for me, it is definitely a valuable tool. I have come to love the big book, um, even though I do not have an issue with alcohol. I see it very much as the same issue with food. The need to manage life by using something. Does that answer your question? Okay, thank you. Uh, Frank. Oh, thank you, Ellie. Wow. You know, um, I really enjoyed your share. And, and, um, you know, you made this comment, uh, act as if they have been removed. And you know, my experience of you in these meetings this last year and a half or so, or maybe two, um, is nothing short of perfection. I can't even imagine you having a character defect. But trust me, you I might. Do. Go ahead. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> if you do have any, what are the ones that you're still struggling with, and and um, why do you think maybe they're not all gone yet? And what are you hoping to do so that maybe they'll either be you know diminished or you know eliminated? Okay, thank you. Good question. Um, Although it is pretty much, it's not in the same proportion as it used to be. I still have sense of judgment. I'm a human being. I have an ego. So I'm self-centered. Um. I am never going to be perfect. I will be able to do better. So I don't know if it's possible to have my character defects totally removed forever. What I will say is, as I mentioned, my ability to recognize them, which I wasn't able to do before, allows me to step back and say, okay, you're doing this. Is that what you meant to do? Um, So I hope that answers your question. I I don't know how much more I can go into it. Um, I used to have a lot of self-righteous indignation on the idea of who do you think you are and don't you know who I am which is like "Mm, ego ego (laughs) so that has been lessened I've come to see that we're all human beings 
that somebody doesn't have to agree with everything I say, think, or do. And I don't have to agree with them either. But I don't have to take on that grandiose, superior attitude. They can just have a difference of opinion. Now I hope that answers your question. Okay. Thank you, Frank. Um, Danny. Thank you, Ellie. That was incredible, and I really needed it. Um, my, my shorter question is if you could just re-spit out the things in when you do a fourth step, because I'm not there yet, and I've heard different people add a fifth column, like, what's my part? What am I upset about? What does it affect? You know, what? And that was my first shorter question. Um, like, if I just wanted to do a fourth step by myself at night, if I'm upset with somebody, can you just restate those? Yes. Let's do one at a time, please. Because that would mean I'd have to remember both of them. Um, the first column, this is according to papers that I had gotten. It's not per se in the big book. It's based on the big book. Um, I had gotten them from a, a big book workshop I was in many, many years ago. The first column is, who do I resent? The second column is, why do I resent them? Or what did they do? The actual words is, what did they do? Then the third column has five different attributes of self and says, what was affected? Was it pride, self-esteem, security, personal relations, sex relations? The fourth column is, and before you go on to the fourth column, there is a prayer, a resentment prayer that needs to be said. There's many versions of it. You can look it up in the big book. Basically, it's saying, God, please help me remember that so-and-so is a sick person just as I am. Please help me show so-and-so the same tolerance, compassion, understanding. I would gladly show a physically sick friend. Please save me from being angry. And then when you've taken all of that as to their part, that prayer helps you to move on to self-examination. So the next question is, what did I do? Now, it could be as simple as me having an expectation that they should have done X, Y, and Z. They may not have done anything, but that's my part. And then the fifth column is, where was I selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and fearful? Does that help you? Okay. And your second question. I'm actually, I'm um, actually trying to be less selfish, so I will call you um, to ask the second one because it's longer. 
Um, I just, a very quick follow-up to what you just said, and thank you. When it says security, I assume they mean emotional or financial security? Yeah. Yes. Okay. That was really Cop helpful. Security, huh? any of that. We'll talk more, Denny. Okay. Thank you thank so you much. for saying you call. Um, let me see who else. 213-529-4050. That is a very strange name, but go ahead. Could you please unmute that I'd person? star six to unmute on the phone. Okay, go. good. Go ahead. Hello. Hello, Richard, uh, compulsive overeater. Hi, Richard. Uh, we're a little older now, and uh, do you find it uh, challenging to uh, take on someone who's younger uh, and explain the program to them and uh, work with them with, with regards to, like, uh, uh, someone in their uh, 20s or early 30s that uh, find it challenging or difficult to work with someone uh of that age, of like a younger person coming into the program? Thank you for your question. And simply, no, I don't. They and I are exactly alike. We are compulsive eaters of one type or another, and we use food as a solution to life. So if they're willing to be honest with me, that's not a problem. I do have things that I set down that I I do have certain expectations of sponsees. So I let them know what it, what it is. I ask them if they have any questions. I ask them to please think about it and then get back to me. So with that understanding, I don't think it's, it's I don't think for me, age is relevant. All I know is that I came in when I was ready. I mean, maybe at 20, I wouldn't have been ready. At 59, I was ready. Done, done, done. So the long and the short is, no, I don't have a problem. Thank you for asking. Bob, hello there. Hey, Ellie, Bob, compulsive overeater, recreational sugar addict. And I beat you because I came in at 66, so I don't think I would have been ready at 59. But anyway, um, how important is service to your program? Thank you for that question. Yes, uh, I uh, touched on it a little bit when I talked about my service, but I think it's very important. I have to learn that I'm not this all self-important thing, that I have a role here on earth. I believe my purpose is to live the best life I can live and to be of service in whatever way I can to compulsive overeater, to friends, to family members. If it's to sponsees, it's listening, hearing what they're saying. If it's to family, to be supportive in any way I can, to friends, 
the things I have learned in OA carry with me through everything so that when I'm speaking with a girlfriend, I still try to talk about my experience when they ask a question such as, what do you think I should do? And sometimes the answer is, you know, I don't know. What do you think you should do? Or I don't know. That's never come up for me. Let's talk about it. So that aspect of service is, is in lots of different areas of my life. And by doing, by being a delegate, by working on the birthday party, it extended past just the sponsee-sponsor relationship uh, to working in a group and the same with chair. Lots of challenges in being a chair. I know Tony is bobbing his head up and down. Um, If you want to know what character defects you have, become the chair of an intergroup. They'll all hang out. (laughs) But um, it was still an opportunity to grow, to give. And again, it's very important to me about growth, whether I like the lessons or not. I hope that answers your question. I see that. Yes, it does. Okay. We have a little over a minute left for Q&A. Okay. Anybody have a quick question? Okay. Hi, Elliot Deb. I have a quick question. Um, my sponsor always reminds me to touch program every day. You talked about, you know, meditation and what other parts of program do you touch every day? Uh, reading, I use the four today or uh, the other one whose name I can't remember, daily, whatever. Um, so I do some reading before I do the meditation, working with others and sponsorship. I touch on that. The writing that I do is at the end of the day when I send my food and my gratitudes to my sponsor. And um, I think that and meetings, sorry, and I don't do a meeting every day. I do a big book meeting on Wednesday. I try to go to something out of New York called Recovery Jam on Mondays and uh, Thursdays. And then I do Kitchen Sink and Serenity Sunday. So that answers your question. Perfect timing. That's all the time we have for sharing. Thank you. That's it.